Welcome to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast, where we talk about movies of the past and present. We are your hosts. I'm Richard, and with me are Will. Hello. And Julian. Happy holidays. Yes. Ho, ho, ho. This is our Christmas extravaganza, as you could tell by our lead-in. Um, shall I just go ahead and say thank you to the guys from... Yes, just go ahead. So that... Um, that wonderful music you heard before our intro music was from a CD. There's around music. <laughs> yes. And say thank you before you play it. <laughs> yes. I'm going to say thank you to um, <clears throat> Jeff St. Pierre and Philip. Uh, how did we say we were going to pronounce his last name? <laughs> Antoniades. Antoniades. Philip Antoniades. Wow, I better cut all of this out. Um, <laughs> and also us snipping, uh, sipping our uh, cocoa Yes. Hot cocoa. <laughs> Hot cocoa with peppermint schnapps in it. It is very festive here in the studio. It's snowing outside. Yes. Well, yeah. it had at some point. And then it was t-shirt weather. Yeah. Because Denver. That's Denver. So I, I was able to get a hold of Jeff St. Pierre on uh, Facebook and ask him permission to use this CD that I've had since about 2001. And all he asked was you take his name off of it. Yes. So I'm going to bleep his name out. <laughs> Uh, apparently these two guys made an entire album, uh, in the studio because they were bored and it's called a rubber band Christmas. Everything's played on rubber bands and some, uh, office supplies like staplers and rulers. Thank you to the moon rays for their intro creature features at the top of the show. You can find them at the moon rays.com or buy their music on iTunes or Amazon. Um, Let's give you a spoiler warning if you haven't watched these movies that are 30 and 40 years old. We're going to talk about plot points and conclusions, so please know these things will be spoiled. Uh, We are not film critics, by the way, also. We like movies, we talk about movies, but we don't get paid to talk talk about them. That's true. Right. So, what have you guys watched since last time? Will? What have I watched? Uh, I watched... Silent Night, Bloody Night. Wait a minute. Mistaking it for Silent Night, Deadly Night. Whoops. (laughs) And And Silent Night, Evil Night. (laughs) Ooh. So does somebody just have a Rubik's Cube with the words Silent Night and Evil and Bloody? I have a list of uh, Silent Night, comma. (laughs) Blank Night? Blank Night. Okay. Uh, I didn't find a whole lot, actually, but, you know, there's probably eight or nine total i didn't write them all down right. but uh what, what are some others uh there was at least last night when i was looking uh there was also a silent night zombie night oh. hey, there's which is a on netflix idea. is it yes first thing i've not heard of zombies in a long long time yeah well, seems yeah. like a fresh twist yeah <laughs> uh, if only new filmmakers would get the idea that they should make a zombie movie and then they could do what george romero did Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm, that'll work out because it's still 1968, right? Yeah. Um, I watched a terrible thing called 
the Southern Star, which was a, I don't know, colonialist exploitation crap fest from the 60s. Oh, man. Sounds good. Yeah, it was very 1960s movie, you know. Okay. Uh, and then, sadly, we finished up Vanderpump Rules. Oh, God. Which has become my favorite office-like show. <laughs> uh, you just pretend, I mean, it's as fake as The Office is real, so... So it's cringe TV. Oh, it's terribly cringy with terrible people. And one of the leads is referred to online as a toad-like sex villain. <laughs> that was my nickname in college. <laughs> and having heard that, I was like, well, this show's, show's kind of brilliant. Hmm. It's all these losers who aren't going anywhere. They're just waiters and waitresses in Hollywood who've missed their chance. And yet now their chance is on TV playing themselves as a loser who missed their chance. Hmm. Okay. So but uh, is is somebody named Vanderpump? Mm-hmm. That's not the name of a place. It's... No, that's the owner of this restaurant. Yes. Because that's a real name. Yeah, we call her Vandy Camps mm. after the Beanie Weenies company. <laughs> right. Um I'm sure I watched some other stuff when I'm not recalling it right now. Hmm. Because it's been a while. I mean Yeah. Yeah, it was about a week and a half since we recorded last. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, we experienced all four seasons in that span of time, didn't we? Of course. Yeah. I watched a lot of shows, I guess. Um, Any that stand out? Have you watched Luther? Yeah, that's all right. I like that one. I watched The Detectorist, which is is about a a group of metal detector people, enthusiasts. That's right. In Britain. They're looking for shillings, uh, <laughs> pence, a Saxon warship. Oh, and it's a comedy. I mean, it's, got, it's a scripted comedy. Uh, pretty funny. Hmm. Enjoyable. I'll have to give it a try. Um, Julian, what about you? Um, yeah, I, I saw. A, I dutifully watched another Christmas horror movie. Oh no! Um, called Jack Frost. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> I've heard this thing sucks. <laughs> You've seen this? No. Is this the Killer Snowman? Yeah, from 1999. It's, uh, yes. Uh, it's got 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, really? Yeah, that's probably about right. And there was a sequel in 2000, and apparently they're remaking it. Is that good? <sighs> Did Have any of you seen the Michael Keaton Snow Dad? <laughs> no, I've heard of it. Horror? No, isn't that called Jack Frost? That uh, that one and another Killer Snowman movie would get confused for one another. This, this is the one with uh, Shannon Elizabeth. So if you're a Shannon Elizabeth diehard, then you've probably seen Jack Frost. Hmm. Uh, it's where a, a skate killer he's get, being transported to his execution or whatever, and they they collide with uh, a truck carrying science stuff, and he becomes an evil snowman and. Hmm. Okay. Science yeah. stuff. Yeah. I have it right here. In 1997, that movie came out, um, Jack Frost. Mm-hmm. And in 1998, the Michael Keaton joint, Jack Frost, came out, which okay. also had Kelly Preston and Joseph Cross in it. So I imagine those got confused for one another at the movie theater, or at the um, movie rental houses, which don't exist anymore. Yes. Which is great. <laughs> it's well, great. Hopefully it's still confusing people who download movies. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Like they're waiting for Michael Keaton to come and do his Michael yeah. Keaton stuff. And 
I don't want to see Shannon Elizabeth taking a bath. Mm. Um, and then I saw, um, you know, like my third favourite Christmas horror movie of all time is School of the Holy Beast, which, which is... That's the non-splitation movie? Yeah, what, what you might think of as a secret Santa movie, because you don't... It, it's not really a Christmas movie, but at the end there's like a... She says, this is my Christmas present to you. And I thought, oh, yes, this is my favourite Christmas movie. Um <laughs> So I saw another one called uh, Dr. Orloff's Monster, which is the second Dr. Orloff film hmm. from Jess Franco, uh, 1964, a.k.a. The Mistresses of Dr. Jekyll. Hmm. <laughs> but uh, it takes place around Christmas. Oh, okay. Yeah. So do you recommend all of the above other than Jack Frost? <laughs> assuming, uh, assuming well, that, Jack Frost, as I say, if, you're, if you really like Shannon Elizabeth, then then uh, you probably need to see it. Uh, Dr. Orloff, if you're into Jess Franco, then you've probably seen it. I mean, Jess Franco is an acquired taste. Okay. Um, it's been said of him, uh, you don't get Jess Franco movies until you've seen all of them. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of get used to the rhythms and uh, watching his films is like hanging out with him, you know, where he's been, who he's friends with. Kind of. That kind of makes sense in, a, in the same way that Christopher Walken is sort of that same yeah that same way where you you get used to his cadence <laughs> right but just franco yeah yeah his, his film was back in the 60s uh early 70s i really like um i i don't know if they're good or not but they're they're just franco movies you know <laughs> um i'm gonna have to watch one yeah uh sort of western called the yellow tomahawk which has got a hell of a cast and a good story but the direction was so flat um mm. But uh, enjoyed it overall. And I saw uh, a few Japanese movies. I saw a horror movie called Mail, 2005. Which spelling? M-A-I-L. Okay. And uh, it was really lame, pretty dull. <laughs> About the post? Yeah, it, it, there's this guy who uh, he gets mail from dead people and uh, goes out and, and uh, basically exercises ghosts by shooting them with a golden mauser. Hmm. As in Sounds a German reasonable. gun, yeah, oh. and it's uh, it's uh, it's like director video. It looks really bland, and uh, it's got uh, Chaki Mukuriyama in it, who was in Kill Bill Volume One and uh, Battle Royale. Oh wow! So if you're into her, then uh, check that one out. Uh, so the editor, which is a kind of giallo comedy, hmm. have you heard of that one? Mm-mm. I don't know that one either. Yeah, there's been a few um, American films recently where they've They've been Jello homages, mm-hmm. um, Barbarian Sound Studio, and so on. Um, Amma. Uh, Black Swan is a really good one. Oh, okay. You've, you've seen that one. I've seen Black Swan. Yeah. Um, the editor, I didn't find it funny at all. Uh, it's pretty gory. Uh, it's got Udo Kier in it. Mm. Um, but I, I was pretty annoyed by it. Darn. <laughs> and I saw, <laughs> saw a couple of uh, more Japanese ones. I saw Morning of the Asone Family, which is uh, Keske Kinoshita from 1946, which is, um, he's the director who did 24 Eyes. Um, it's about a rich family during World War II in Japan. And uh, and that ended up, that, that starts off with Christmas. So it, oh. <laughs> so it puts you in the mood for <laughs> another secret one. And then I saw uh, one of my, because uh, Emily was away all last weekend, so I watched one of my favorite movies ever, which is The the Human Condition, which is nine and a half hours long. Wow. <laughs> this, how did they ever do that back in the day? Like, how was that ever theatrically I, I was amazed. It's like feasible. Uh, they're saying, 
oh, this took so long to shoot. It took us four four years to shoot. And, uh, you know, you think how long it takes to do movies now. When it took The Shining, like, it was like five years, wasn't it? Yeah. But, yeah. Um, Eraser yeah. had took five years. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was shooting over weekends, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that was a little different. But, yeah, human condition is just incredible. Anyway, um, yeah, and apart from that and Black Christmas, that's all I saw. Oh. Well, Black Christmas, we're going to get to that soon. Um, I watched since last time... It's so funny whenever somebody says something part two, I I always feel like I, I can't not say Electric Boogaloo after it. That's why you've got to stop, man. I know, I've got to stop now because I watched a movie that's about <laughs> these bad filmmakers. And the movie is called Electric Boogaloo because they did Breakin' two. and it was very successful. And then they decided Breakin' 2, Electric Boogaloo would be a good idea. And then they did everything wrong that they had previously done right. But it's about Golan and Globus which you had mentioned them. And I had this impression of the stuff I saw in the late seventies through late eighties as being just like, yeah, there's a mix of all these bad movies. Well, I think mm. all of those movies that gave me that impression were all made by the same two guys. Yep. <laughs> and so thank you for giving us Chuck Norris. You dicks. Um, <laughs> My mom, when breaking Two electric boogaloo came out, she misheard it on the television as Reagan Two. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> yes, Mom. That's what they said. Uh, so I did watch a bunch of episodes of Luther um, on Netflix. And here's a good question for someone from England. What's with the THs and Fs and Vs? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. You drop THs if you're from the southeast. So so his name's Lufa. Lufa. He's like a sponge, mate. He's Lufa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking they should have named him something with an F in it. <laughs> Not a TH because he's saying Lufa. He's just got an album out, hasn't he? He just uh, over. I don't know much about this guy. He seems like a great actor, though. He mm-hmm. he plays his part really well. So I'm really enjoying Luther, um, or for our English listeners, Lufa. Um, let's see, Electric Boogaloo. Watch that. Um, uh, the this movie about Ip Man, the guy who taught Bruce oh, yeah. Lee kung fu. It's called uh, Ip Man: The Final Fight. That's on Netflix. Um, it's a really nice uh, biopic, this dramatization of uh, when this guy came from a smaller town to Hong Kong and started teaching Wing Chun Kung Fu. Um, pretty cool. I didn't get all the way through it yet. Uh, because we had to watch a rom-com, we watched the Simon Pegg joint called Man Up, which I enjoyed because I usually don't enjoy rom-coms and I don't expect to. So I went into it with an open mind and I like Simon Pegg and I really enjoyed it. Uh, and then there's this David Lynch directed Duran Duran thing called Duran Duran Unstaged. Huh. Stumbled upon that thinking, well, what's he going to do? This is interesting. And it looked like he was running an antique uh, hand crank egg beater in front, of, <laughs> in front of the camera, kind of sort of out of focus and in silhouette <laughs> and all kinds of other odd stuff. But Excellent. But it, it's, uh, I'm, I'm only about three or four songs into it. I, I watch this in the morning before I make coffee. Uh, it's interesting and Ant-Man which was pretty entertaining considering I don't go for the superhero movie so much yeah I didn't know his superpower was used in the way it was of suddenly shrinking and suddenly becoming big again yeah so you could do things like dive through a keyhole or disappear when someone goes to punch you mm. yeah or suddenly appear and punch somebody so it was pretty cool yeah, yeah. another Jack Kirby creation. yeah I saw him on the opening credits it was you know, it was like that's cool 
Jack Kirby. They have awards named after Jack Kirby. They should have statues made after Jack Kirby. Yeah. Frankly. If you're listening to this and you don't know who Jack Kirby is, just stop now and go research this man. <laughs> Some amazing stuff. Um, so this is our Christmas horror extravaganza. And uh, let's jump right in and talk about Black Christmas, 1974, directed by Bob Clark. Originally titled? What was it originally titled? Silent Night, Evil Night. Silent Night, <laughs> Evil Night. I don't know if I have that in my notes, but it, that yeah, is cool. It's got, it's got several different titles. The uh, So the U.S. release was Silent Night, Evil Night. And the first script was Stop Me. Yeah. And uh, when it showed on NBC, it was a Stranger in the House, but they took it off air because it was too scary. <laughs> they, they always wanted the, the much more softball versions of those things, you know, to show up later. <clears throat> yeah. The made-for-TV NBC well, stuff. The first time I tried to see this, it was uh, just after uh, the the Hungerford massacre in England, and uh, they took it off air. What was that? Matt? I don't, I'm not familiar. It was you know, a nut with a gun. Oh, shooting okay. people in his village. Hmm. I'm glad that stuff doesn't happen here. <laughs> no, no. So uh, this was a 1974 movie, 98 minutes long, directed by Bob Clark. Um, murderer is named Billy. Yes, that seems to be a theme. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Billy was just a, the bad guy back then. Well, you've yeah. got, you got this voice that says Billy and Agnes. You're not sure if he's either or both of them. or if he, It's kind of a demonic voice like from The Exorcist. Yeah. And uh, it was done by three different people. So it's really ambiguous what even what gender it is, you know. Hmm. It's like there's an unnamed actress, Bob Clark... And uh, Nick Mancuso did the voice. Right. And he went on to do a lot of television Mm -hmm. stuff as well. So director Bob Clark, also, we'll we'll get this out of the way first, was well known for his later work, A Christmas Story. Yes. Now, I know you've got a lot of knowledge about this movie, so I'm going to get this out of the way early. Um, I did get to meet Zach Ward, who played Scut Farkas in A Christmas Story. And I had a moment of his attention and didn't want to take too much of his time because, you know, he's he gets paid for autographs and whatever. But um, I asked him what it was like to be part of this whole this whole pantheon of, of uh, Christmas stories, the Christmas movies. And I said, you know, you've got things like It's a Wonderful Life that was always a staple. And now A Christmas Story is mm-hmm. absolutely a staple and it gets yeah. played over and over. And uh, I asked him, well, what does it feel like to be part of that? And um, Zach said... Well, what's great about it is, is it sort of redefined it a bit because it's from the point of view of a kid at Christmas time, mm-hmm. but you can also watch it with the point of view of having been a kid. Yeah. So it appeals to everybody who can watch it. And, uh, and he said that it was, um, it was a great experience making it and he had a lot of fun. And I asked him, so what was Bob Clark like to work with? Because he's well known for also a horror movie and, uh, you know, what kind of guy was he? And he said that he was absolutely a father figure to him. Mm-hmm. He really enjoyed shooting with him and, and getting to know him. And he treated everybody really well. So I wanted to make sure that everybody knows Bob Clark was an awesome dude and everyone loved working with him. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's amazing. He's got two classic Christmas movies. I watch them every year. Yeah. What were you going to say? Uh, I was going to say uh, the actress who played Jess said that it was very light hearted on the set. <laughs> yeah. And other than, uh, then Margot Kidder, who was a little standoffish, people had a lot of fun. I wonder what was her deal. She was a drunk. 
Oh, that's right. She oh, was... I meant in the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she had too much schnapps and not enough cocoa. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what are some of your favorite things about the movie, Jolien? Uh, it's still creepy. We watched it again last night. still works. Yep, yeah. it's creepy. Yeah. They, um, they weren't afraid to make with the vulgarity and, and the... Yeah, don't, don't watch it in summer. Watch it at Christmas when you've got the lights on around the house and everything else is dark. Yeah. Stick it on. It's great. I think that still works. That's always cool. The, the open ending, the ambiguity really, really makes it worth coming back to, you know. Yeah. It was kind of uh, really the first of its kind in, in the way that it set the, um, I don't know, the sort of stock and slash. Yeah, it, it's, uh, there's a lot of things in it which have been done, which had been done before. But it brought them all together in one movie. and mm-hmm. uh, So that and Halloween really set the template for slashers. But if you come to it, say, expecting a slasher movie, where, mm-hmm. where it's like 10 minutes, someone gets knocked off. Right. Intervals. Um, yeah. Um, you'll be disappointed. And if you're looking for gore, splatter, you'll be disappointed. Right. And it, but it proves that you don't need that stuff. Yeah. To make a movie truly creepy and suspenseful. So I, I, I enjoy watching like stand slasher movies, but it's not, it's not like those really. No, I enjoyed it. It was stylish and creepy. Yeah. Right. Um, I like the way they did this warpy stuff with the with the camera when they're kind of going up the trellis mm-hmm. up up to the window. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a, it was it was very much, um, something you would get that weird the killer's POV and. Uh, they would do a lot of this stuff back in the seventies where you would get a certain sort of warp to the scene. Yeah. And uh, I think, Bob, it, I think, I think Bob it's Clark, with a wide angle lens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But used in close up. Yeah. So you'll get that lens distortion and Bob Clark, I think did it better than anybody. Honestly, I don't know if he, if he pioneered it in any way, but he sure did it well. Well, POVs go back to like the dawn of cinema. There's what's that one about the, uh, where the bandit turns and he shoots into camera. That's like one uh, of the really great early train robbery. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, you're the film noir fan. On, we all are, but um, <laughs> Lady in the Lake. Lady in the Lake, yeah. Entirely POV. Yeah. And Will's definitely... Interesting kind of experiment that doesn't quite work, but... Yeah, but it's such fun. It is fun. Uh, and then from the same year, uh, 1947, there was a, uh, Dick Tracy's Dilemma. It was on yes. TV. I just caught it. And uh, at the start of it, they have a kilo's POV. Yes, Just, yes. just when he knocks off the guy with the hook. That's right. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a bunch of it in Napoleon, the, the 27 version. And uh, Peeping Tom was a landmark horror movie to use it. Yeah. Um, 1960, where the, because the, the POV is the camera. Mm-hmm. The camera is the weapon. Yeah. Oh, Halloween was supposed to be a sequel to this. Yes. <laughs> they were what just a... trying to pick a holiday, weren't they? Yeah. I, I've not been able to like pin this down because all I've seen is like uh, they had... Um, they had a show and they had Bob Clark and John Saxon and uh, uh, who's, the, who's the guy who did the music? Uh, Cole Zitra. And they're up on stage and and, he, and they get asked about it. And he says, yes, he was working with John Carpenter and Carpenter was a big fan of Black Christmas. And uh, he asked if they were going to do a sequel. And he said, uh, yeah, they were planning on doing one where he, the killer gets put in a home and gets out a year later and it's Halloween. And so they were going to call it Halloween I've not heard that from any other source. I've not seen huh. it anywhere else. It's kind of fascinating. Yeah, I I didn't you know do a lot of research. Clicked on trivia. <laughs> I did I did make the um, the little 
trip down the rabbit hole for um, IMDb has a little part where it says goofs and you can click on it and it'll tell you okay. some yeah. some errors in the movie. And really, Black Christmas, they only had um, two Ooh, that I think stood out. That were, th- yeah, there's a shadow of a boom mic in one mm. shot and some reflections and some framed pictures. So what? Yeah, I yeah. can see them in, in those big movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you can see the helicopter's shadow in the opening of The Shining and you know, that's Stanley Kubrick. I mean, that guy was, he was the worst of the, of, you know, being hard on himself for getting it perfect. And then um, something about Claire's eyes are moving while she's dead in a rocking chair. No, I didn't agree I, with that. Yeah, I, it's I just the shadows where they're, where they're catching her eyelids. That's what I thought, yeah, too. I, I, re- I didn't see that. I rewatched no. it and I thought, I'm missing something because I don't see it. No. All right, good. We all agree. <laughs> Whoever Whoever's put that in IMDb is a DB. I do think the cat changed, though. <laughs> yes, yes, they, they did mention that. Cat's the cat's in the background at the very beginning, and it looks short-haired. Now, it's out of focus. It's not super easy to tell. Right. But it doesn't look like the same cat when she goes up, mm. when Claire goes up to her room. Was it Claude? Yes, Claude. <laughs> Claude, the cat. Claude the cat. Yes. Spelled C-L-A-W-E-D. <laughs> um. John Saxon being in this thing was kind of interesting yeah, because he was great. he was fresh off Enter the Dragon. Yeah, that's pretty badass. You working with Bruce Lee, right? Yeah, he's yeah, he'd, he'd been in uh, the first Jello movie, the the girl who knew too much. Oh yeah, so, yeah, he's he's got he's got a lot. Of, well, he was in the Nightcrawler, Queen of Blood, Enter the Dragon, The Bees, The Nightmare on Elm Street, Cannibal Apocalypse, Blood Beach, Tenebrae, which is fantastic, mm-hmm. uh, Elm Street One and Three, From Dusk Till Dawn. The Joe Don Baker classic Mitchell, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, that that role was originally for uh, Edmund O'Brien. Yes, from DOA. But he uh, he turned up and he, he just wasn't able to handle the things. Yeah, he had Alzheimer's. I understand. <clears throat> Not a good scene. So, but I read that John Saxton had the part for, or he read for the part originally and then dropped out, mm-hmm. and then his schedule opened up. Okay. So. You know, you think about the the era this thing was made. Um, you know, the, the the women's liberation movement um, had a really strong foothold, and things were happening for women to to finally start getting their voice heard. Now, you look at Enter the Dragon. There's some empowered women in that movie, mm-hmm. which was out of Hong Kong. And, and Mei Wong. Yeah, exactly. And and John Saxon was in that, and then turns right around and he's in this movie where these women aren't a bunch of you know, shrinking violets, yeah. they're, they're strong and they're standing up for themselves. I think that's pretty cool because mm-hmm. you, you know, you didn't see a lot of that in, in cinema back then. Right. Yeah. This was the year of uh, Texas Chainsaw. So you had Marilyn Burns in it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It was a good year for the final girl. Yeah. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the women weren't just getting, um, you know, used up and thrown away. Although this one's open-ended. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. The phone's ringing at the end. <laughs> that's yeah. true. And the calls always come from inside the house. I got a phone call on my cell phone that was a bunch of fives. Hmm. I, I, I tried finding which which uh, movie had done that first, with the, the calls coming from inside the house, which one had used that urban legend first. Uh, I think this is the first theatrical one to do it. Mm-hmm. There no, was a TV, TV movie, movie, I understand. Called Mousy. Yeah. Hmm. With Kirk Douglas and um, Gene Seberg and... It beat it by just a few weeks or something. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But this is like the first movie that that did that urban legend. I was, yeah. I mean, it kind of makes sense that, 
enough people would think of this at the same time. You know, it's it's not a super original notion that uh, it would be scarier if the killer was right there. Yeah. I mean, that's where the urban legend came from, I assume. Do you know how old that is? Mm, no, I don't know. Um, Probably not in the old the 60s. There was a babysitter kidnapped in Wisconsin in the late 50s. Um, that may have led to someone, because it's always tied to a babysitter, yes. I've heard. You know, right. <laughs> Check on the children. <laughs> uh, so that may be where it started. Okay. I don't think very many people knew back then that you could have a, a second phone hmm. or or tap into a line and and put an additional phone in and hide in an attic and call people from it. I don't think most people knew that or would even think of that back then. Yeah. So I would assume that would make the urban legend no older than sometime in the 1960s. Possibly. But, uh, yeah, I guess we could look that up on Snopes. Yeah. <laughs> So what else do you like about this? Any other favorite scenes? Uh, it's great, the eye. Great cast. Yeah, the, the eye. Yeah, do, do you reckon that was an influence on Argento? Yeah, that was... And deep red. Mm-hmm. That eye was fantastic. <laughs> I wish I could hear what he was saying. Fortunately, I watched this pretty late and had the volume down. Mm. Yeah, you've got to really crank it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm waiting for... There's, there's been a Blu-ray over it, but I'm hoping there'd be a really good quality one someday um because they re they're really inventive with sound and yeah uh you know the the soundtrack is this prepared piano where he had like items of cutlery on the strings mm -hmm. and so on so it, it warps it and uh it like slows down voices and things yeah like that. And, oh, that's really cool it's really, yeah um and and they they also do a similar thing with the uh, the visuals so they have like the wide angle lens and the diopter lens and all stuff like that to make it look weirder kind of like the haunting right i always wondered who was the first um director to use that uh that weird um depth of field compression by dollying in while zooming out or dolly dollying uh, out while zooming in well, hitchcock did it a few times but was he the first i would i would assume it was him i thought uh doesn't citizen kane have a shot like that uh, i would have to rewatch. And it's been I, a while since I seem to remember there's a shot where it's all in deep focus and, yeah, they're wheeling the camera yeah. in while zooming, zooming out. out. It's such a cool trick. I mean, I'm sure whoever thought of it just totally high-fived themselves <laughs> when they went, oh, man, this is going to look so cool. But, yeah, Hitchcock definitely, um, I, w I would look between him and um, Orson Welles for, you know, who, who came up with that grand idea such a such a good trick it still works too mm -hmm. i don't know why but it's, it still gets me every time <laughs> so what else about this movie do we dig uh i like that you saw just the killer shadow for so long yeah he was just a shadow um which also played nicely to the open ending and the fact they didn't tell us who the killer was I, I do like that a yeah. lot. I think that plays into the whole, um, <clears throat> with the slasher of movies to come, that they become these semi-supernatural figures. Mm. Because it's this yeah. not-quite-human character creeping around. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing that is expressly supernatural going on in this thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no teleportation. 
no telekinesis, no appearing in a puff of smoke, no turning into a bat, any of that stuff. You know, it's no. so arguably, and we're going to have to have this conversation sometime. What is a horror movie? And uh, when should you call it a thriller or whatever? And then I've heard some people say, oh, a thriller is just what they want to call their horror movie when they want to appeal to people who don't like horror movies. Mm-hmm. Maybe, that, maybe that's all the more we have to say about that. So I don't know. But uh, I think the suspense is nailed down nicely in this movie. And it's funny as well. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot of dark humor in this. Like until the last, you know, for the first hour, there's a lot of, most of it's funny. Right. And in in its day, you didn't have a lot of, uh, a lot of vulgar dialogue that would go as far as to use the C word. Right. Yeah, that got cut in England. Um, yeah, as you would figure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's, uh, there's some... It's um, there's a lighter tone to slasher movies in the eighties. I find that they're more for kids; they're for teenagers. Yes. Uh, and this movie, there's actual consequences, and the people are uh, actual people. They they've got histories and faults. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's consequences for actions. Um, there's a whole uh, abortion thread that goes through it. Yeah. Uh, so you know they're they're dealing with real life problems and uh you know things that people do will will mean something and hurt people so it, it gives it an edge that i don't find from you know the later things no yeah it, it's not it's not gratuitous in its use of the kills it, they're, i mean they're they are there to to horrify you of course but i think a lot of the 80s slasher movies they're just like oh let's throw another kill it's been 10 minutes yeah yeah <laughs> Um, on that note, um, the glass unicorn kill. Mm. Holy crap. Very Argento, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That felt like it was straight out of Argento's yeah. bag of tricks. Especially the shot where you first see it, where it's the, it's a really black background, and then the light picks out all the crystal objects on the right. shelf. Mm-hmm. Very prominent. Oh. Here's one with a big spike sticker. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So. No Superman to savor this time. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh. Another fu- another fun thing that I kind of picked out: there were nine Christmas carolers at the door that showed up singing Christmas. I mean, mm, they do a good job. Yeah, they do. And our younger <laughs> listeners may not—I mean, they may not be familiar with landlines and and Christmas carolers, but uh, people would come and show up at your front step singing Christmas songs, just mm-hmm. going door to door. And I understand that if you're a little older, you can you can bring a cup with you and people pour you shots. Have you heard of this? <laughs> No, we no. never had that. Some some people I knew in Chicago said they used to do that when they were in their late teens. Well, uh, that's what wassailing was back in Victorian times. That's right. You'd go door to door and then they people would invite you in for a drink. Yep. So, ah, so that makes sense. Ward off the cold. Yes. <laughs> so ward. you can stumble to the next house. <laughs> ward off the evil spirits by drinking some spirits. <laughs> that's pretty cool. But yeah, they were... There were nine of them, which I thought was remarkable. There weren't just three or five, and uh, yeah, they did sound good. So the um, the old uh, movie trope of keeping the caller on the phone while they trace the call, they did use that. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, that that I don't think that ever really has been a thing. No, I understand that's never been a a real problem. Yeah, it, it, movies make it out to be longer than it actually is. Yeah. And but I that's mean, straight out of a political th- thriller, though, isn't it? Like with the guy dashing up and down. Mm-hmm. The yeah, he bounce. almost makes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, they can find out who called you 
after the fact. So, right. yeah, yeah. Nowadays, yeah. it's no problem. Though. Nowadays, right. but I mean, even back in the forties, they they could find out where you were calling from. Yeah. So it, it's just something that has has uh, made its way into um, may have been even easier then because you had an actual operator, right? Connecting calls. They're like, I took this guitar cord and plugged the jack yeah. into this hole, and it must have come from here. But that was uh, that was something that I've I've always wondered about, and then I've heard people say, "Oh, they need to stop doing that in movies." Everyone knows it's not true. Yeah. All right. So where are we at on this thing? Did we miss any other cool points about it? The red herring of Peter. Oh, yeah. Yes. Peter's played by uh, Keir Delia. Yeah. He was originally offered to Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, because he, he was fresh off of uh, Clockwork Orange. Right. That would have been interesting. Yeah. Because <laughs> he would have given it a little, little layer of sinister vibe. Um, so he's uh, practicing for this some audition that he's, he's going to do. He's a pianist, yeah. He's a pianist. Yeah, he's got his big... Big pianist? Yeah, he's got his big final. Oh, that's what it was. He's doing recital, a recital. That's he right. He's going to get his graduate work in music. I don't know. Yeah. So he's auditioning. He's doing finals. Sort of. And... And, of course, she came in and told him that she was pregnant and wants an abortion, which I believe leads to his less than spectacular performance. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, Emily was pretty much growling at the screen when he was, the way he was treating her after Oh, that. yeah, I mean, every He's guy a, in this movie is kind of a... Yeah, well, most of the guys bumbler. are pretty stupid or... Yeah. Well, they were very nasty. chauvinistic times. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of those, a lot of those attitudes, uh, if they weren't holdovers from, you know, the previous generation... And all of the, what was considered the norms, there was also, um, I'm sure, some knee-jerk reaction to women wanting to have a voice and to, you know, oh yeah, to be counted. A lot of that in the 70s. Oh yeah. When you got Art Hindle seems okay, um, although when when the, it's the CBS executives wanted him to be turn out to be the killer at the end. Yes, that's what I read. But um, and John Saxon comes through when he finally figures things out. Yeah. Uh, just a little late. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, generally the men are really untrustworthy and, uh, yeah, you, you can't rely on them. You have to do things for yourself. Yeah. Uh, and there's poor old, uh, what's his name, Sergeant Nash. Yeah, he didn't even get a chance. <laughs> but he, he gets the funniest scene, though. Yeah. <laughs> so the um, the murders, uh, I forgot to mention this earlier, the, the uh, note that I had was, um, Bob Clark said the murders were a lot more graphic in the script and they toned them mm -hmm. down. Yeah. And uh, he he wanted to consider the horror to be more psychological. Mm -hmm. And apparently the writer, Ray Moore, at first disagreed but couldn't help but love the result when, when he actually got to see how it turned out. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. I thought it was Rob Moore. I think it's Roy Moore. Roy. Rob. <laughs> Ray. It was Rob Roy Moore. Rob Roy. I wonder if it was set in Christmas with the original title Stop Me or whatever it was mm. called. Mm. Because uh, I read that uh, Bob Clark liked the juxtaposition between yes. Christmas being a great time and right. sticking yeah. a killer in. And, of course, White Christmas. Right. You got a good title there. 
So yeah. he may have had that title before he well, had they, any film. Uh, they called it Silent Night, Evil Night for its first run in the U.S. because they were afraid it would be confused with black action movies of the day. Black exploitation, yeah. But it didn't do well, so they changed it back to Black Christmas. They should have put Fred Williamson in there somewhere. Yeah. That would have been great. That would have been a lot shorter movie. Yeah, he would have just kicked everyone's <laughs> ass and that would have been it. <laughs> yeah, if one of the students was Pam Greer or something. Yeah. That would have been really cool. It would have been a cool movie, but a lot shorter. Right. <laughs> okay, done. Next one. Christmas Evil? Well, let's, let's, not, uh, let's not forget to mention one more time that there's a ringing phone at the end that leaves it open. Mm. Do you recommend this thing? Yeah. What yeah, do you think? I totally recommend it. I would. Jolien? Oh, yeah. Definitely. It's my favorite Christmas yeah. horror. <clears throat> yeah, so... You you got you got the. I, I dutifully tried watching the remake before uh, I came wasn't... here, and I realised I'd seen it. Oh, <laughs> oh, it was that that's memorable, right. huh? You 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 had mentioned because I asked, wasn't there a a remake of yeah, this? Yeah, two thousand six. Yeah. Yeah. So I started watching. I think, oh yeah, I remember this now. Uh, it's got the uh, the lamp, the frigile lamp from Christmas oh, Story in there. Nice. Uh, that's probably the only good bit the whole thing but um yeah i switched it off after 10 minutes because i thought oh well, i've seen this yeah <laughs> so we don't recommend the remake some people like it okay some people seem to I really like it i just don't remember it i like the remake of dawn of the dead i know a lot of people hate it i mean i like it i don't compare it to the original as a side-by-side -side comparison but mm. yeah that's not bad i'll, I'll, I'll give it a remake. shot I'll, I'll look i'll look at this and try and keep an open mind but but that aside, yeah, we all recommend the original Black Christmas. All right, let's talk about Christmas Evil, Will. Christmas Evil. This, this is the one you definitely yes. you seized this. You grabbed onto this. This is my you said, favorite. I... This movie's so odd. Uh, I don't even think he kills that many people. No, not really. Maybe four or five. Yeah, it's not a huge body count. I couldn't find an exact number. I remembered him only killing two people. That's, is that an air raid siren going off there? What is it? It was a fire engine. Uh, Never a dull moment here in the hood. Uh, anyway, Christmas Evil. Yeah. It was a movie I saw once. John Waters' favorite. favorite movie. Yes, there's somebody on IMDb who's bitching about this being John Waters' worst movie. <laughs> not realizing he didn't track this he just likes it yes yeah. uh well you want a little breakdown of the story young well, kid sees mom and santa claus making out <laughs> santa's dad uh or dad is santa further proof that kids are stupid yeah uh for some reason this warps young i don't remember his name I just watched it. Let's assume it's Billy. I believe it was Billy. <laughs> let me let me look here. I, I just pulled it up I'm on not IMDb. I believe it was Billy, although that may have been his little brother's name. Let's cut to some rubber band music. <laughs> I do want to throw this out there before before we really get into the movie. I know neither of you really dig The Walking Dead, or have I've never seen it. Okay, I've not watched the it. series, the TV series. Um, there's a there's a beloved character named Dale who is played by Jeffrey DeMunn, who is the uh, the older brother of the Santa killer guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it it's he's barely recognizable, as you would know him from Walking Dead. 
Um, but there he is. So there, I got that out of the way for all of our listeners who dig the walking dead. Jeffrey DeMunn, AKA Dale is in this. Um, so go on. Uh, this is a 1980. Yeah. Did we find out, uh, directed what this by, guy's name is, uh, the director's Lewis Jackson, the yeah. actor who plays the killer. Um, do we, we want to see him as a kid, don't we? Okay. Let's look at this up. Yeah. That's leave this all in i'm just with i've been leaving all this stuff in just... rubber band stuff going in the background yeah let's see so His name's billy harry 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 and not billy harry and philip are brothers philip okay yeah. so we got that out of the way anyway yes he uh sees mama making out with santa claus mm-hmm. uh it's 1947 they cut to the present which it's now the past of 1980. Uh, whereas Harry's grown up and he's kind of obsessed with Santa Claus, would you say? <laughs> a little bit. He has a uh, couple of books, one for good boys and girls and one for bad boys and girls. Which, and which he fills with information how? He spies on children with binoculars. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, yeah. Hmm. Makes you think... He works at a toy factory. Hmm. He makes some pretty shitty toys. Those things are terrible. <laughs> I couldn't figure out if those were, like, all year round. Do they sell these everywhere? Toys, or was that factory specifically making toys for Christmas? Hmm. It looked like it was making oversized um, Cracker Jack prizes. It, it, they just looked so flimsy. Yeah. They were too small to fit in a cereal box, or too big to fit in a cereal box or a Cracker Jack box, but they looked about the same quality. It was bad. Yeah. So, I don't know. So, uh, Harry's job, I think there's going to be layoffs after the holiday. Uh, His co-workers rag on him. They trick him into working a a double shift. They go out and drink. He discovers them. He discovers them. He just happens along. And sees them in the bar right when they're making this confession of tricking him. And he's such a doofus. They were gloating, really. Yeah. They're just like, what a what a total loser. Ha, ha, ha. Let's have another beer. So uh, Harry goes and he makes a Santa Claus outfit and paints a sleigh on his white Ford van. His windowless white Ford van. Yes. And he spies on children. Mm. He spies on children. And then he goes to... A mask that's letting out, and he stabs a guy in the eye with a toy soldier. Now, here's something I got to say about this scene. I loved it because these were they were preppy, just these preppy asshole guys who were just like, just total, um, I don't know, bullies. They're yuppies. Yeah, yeah, they were, they were very cruel and mean and dismissive, and uh, and they were naughty. Yes. Let's just say they were naughty. <laughs> they were very naughty. And they, and they were punished. They got their comeuppance, didn't they? And, uh, oh, he delivers a bunch of toys to a hospital or where, an orphanage. or. Well, where does he get these toys, Will? He steals them from work. <laughs> yes, he does. Much like office, office supplies. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, then he goes, where does he go? He goes to get the co-worker who... Made him work a double, tricked him into working a double, and sneaks into the house after trying to slide down the chimney, which 
he gets stuck and kind of panics, which is just an <laughs> odd scene. I kept waiting for him to fall off the roof, too. It, uh, at one point, he puts mud all over his face earlier in the movie while he's watching Moss Garcia, one of the bad kids in the neighborhood, and he presses his face and hands against the the wall of the house and leaves like a nose and lip print and two muddy handprints. Oh yeah, it was it What was... was with that? Strange. Well, he made I think the top of the naughty list with his looking at Penthouse magazine. Uh, yeah. And talking back to his mother and and swearing. Yes, and swearing. So you you get what you get when you do that stuff. Yeah. Um anyway, he kills a coworker with a star off the top of a tree. Yeah. Um, the hits just keep on coming with this guy. And then, unfortunately, I did not see the rest, but I mean, I've seen this movie before. He gets chased by a mob at some point, I know. And uh, does he kill anyone else in there? I think I think that the mob chasing him is the end, because he, um, I know he, he activates the assembly line and starts breaking toys. Yeah. And then... Uh, he drives off, and uh, when his van becomes stuck in the snow, um, he uh, he's what is what do we have here? He goes off a bridge, doesn't he? Well, he's chased by this mob, right? And then he gets in his van and he drives off a bridge. Mm. But there's some you're left wondering if he doesn't fly off like a magic <laughs> sleigh. It kind of implies that, but I think. Gravity quickly will set in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty over... sure this was all in Harry's mind. Yeah. He, at one point, glues a beard on his face and just about loses it. <laughs> <laughs> this actor was fantastic. I don't know who he was, and I don't believe he was in anything else, but... Yeah, I, I found the note here that um, that uh, that Phil realizes his brother is the homicidal Santa. Yeah. And, and then... Uh, he tries to justify his actions, but uh, Phil chokes him unconscious and loads Harry into the front seat of the van. But when Harry comes to, he knocks him out and then drives off. And then during the escape, the mob comes after him and then forces the van off the bridge. And that's when we see the magical flight. Uh-huh. So that's how that all kind of comes together. Um, I think that's a great ending, personally. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like the ending to Repo Man. Um, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, everyone fast forward 15 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> the Malibu flies away because it's powered by aliens. Yeah. Great movie. This was powered by magic. Yes. Christmas magic. You just have to believe. Uh-huh. And that's how that stuff works. It's powered yes. on good vibes and belief. So would you recommend this to everybody, to everybody in your all path? year round? <laughs> I hand out copies. <laughs> <laughs> this is one this is one instance in which piracy should be acceptable you should, yeah you should be able to burn as many dvds as you can yep <laughs> and about, i like it i think it's a funny movie um there was something and i forget i forget what it was i wanted to oh so the missus and i were talking about this and she just looks at me like i don't know what i'm talking about i always like to watch the um the macy's thanksgiving day parade uh-huh I just like having it on in the background. I yeah, like, we, we have it on. Yeah, the, the, the blaring, discordant marching band noise. It just kind of makes me feel like, oh, it's fall. It's here come the holidays. 
um, you know, you have the smell of pumpkin pie baking in the oven and you've got that marching band sound. It's turned into this really, really choreographed commercial thing. Yeah. They have these big stage... I mean, a parade for a department store is being commercialized. Weird, isn't it? <laughs> what is this country coming to? Well, when you see... Next, the... you'll tell me that Coca-Cola made Santa Claus and Montgomery Wards made Rudolph. Well... False truth. Those are urban legends. Oh. But... If, the calls you... are coming from inside the sleigh. <laughs> the 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 parade footage that you see in the background uh-huh. in this... You get to see how shitty the parade really was up until at least 1978, 79, whenever they filmed this. Yeah, no, it, it was shitty long after that. I I'm remember sure it was. in the 90s being pretty bargain basement. It's pretty Early glo- 90s. That's probably the last time I ever watched, had to sit through that thing. But uh. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty glossy now. They'll have like this. Um, this big looks like those decals that are on the floor of uh, grocery stores. You know those big decals you're walking on advertisements for yogurt or whatever. Mm-hmm. They have these great big logos and decals on the street somehow. Like there's a stage, and they stop and they do a musical number, and and these these things just all look so planned out and so coming off without a hitch. And I like my parades to have balloons that might get away and destroy some stuff. Or, yeah. You know, mobs that are a little too close to the floats that are going by. And just, there's no way the police could control this crowd even if they wanted to. Didn't they release the balloons in the first one? (laughs) That sounds cool. I don't know if that's true, but we're going to say it is. It's like 1910. (laughs) Hey, what do you think will happen if we release these balloons? Who cares? Maybe they should make a, a float where it's shaped like a big windowless van with a sleigh. With a sleigh on the side, all right. Yeah. And then maybe a clown with a knife. And anybody heard of this movie? Um, I don't know. I ran into this maybe seven years ago or so. Um, either of you heard of this before? Uh, before today? Yeah, you know, I mean before recently, like uh, back in the eighties. Christmas Evil? Not, yeah, not back in the eighties. Um, no, I was I was fairly unaware of it. I'd heard the title kicked around a little bit in recent years, but I don't think I ever watched it. It is a little more obscure as this stuff goes. Yeah. yeah. So we saw it on on demand, and whatever copy they used was the same copy you had on that big okay. box that you lent me. Yeah. So, so. O- overall, Jolien, would you recommend this thing? <laughs> um, I don't know. It'd, it'd be down on the list. It's not my top. It's not scary. Four. Christmas horrors, no. Yeah, I, I was saying to Jolian... beat. On the drive over here, I was telling Jolian it should be called, uh, instead of Christmas Evil, it should be called Christmas Schizophrenia. <laughs> I mean, the guy is off his rocker yeah. and should be on meds and isn't... Christmas Eve. Oh. <laughs> I like it. I would tell somebody who likes horror movies, go ahead and watch it. Have fun. It's it's a fun movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, if they like off-kilter yeah. movies, then want to see something different yeah yeah it's a little weird isn't it yeah should we go on to the next one yes all right i think we covered that pretty well silent night silent night deadly Deadly night Night. not to be confused with a silent night bloody night or silent Silent night Night, evil night or silent night deadly night part two through five (laughs) is there a silent night black christmas night or any other mixture of these words 
Well, um, apart from the uh, remake of Black Christmas, there, there was a parody in The Simpsons, I think. <laughs> and there was a there's a porn parody called Black Triple Xmas. Oh. Black Triple Xmas. Yeah. Porn parodies. They can get away with a lot, apparently. It's all parody. Well, they well they do know that, that they've got a certain segment of the population watching them and that they don't have to worry about brand confusion with the mainstream, do they? No, like, probably not. Like, if you're finding porn, you're looking for porn. Although, have you seen those, uh, ever see those straight-to-video movies that were, like, transmorphers? No. Oh, man. You know, uh, oh. Kung Fu Turtles or something. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the knockoffs. They're yeah, like, total yeah. knockoff. Yeah, you know. Uh, the last one I saw was when Robo Robot Jocks came out, and it was, like, Robo Jocks. CKS. Yeah, you know? uh, some, some people call them mockbusters. That's what they're mockbusters. Yeah, there's this, there's this uh, studio called Asylum that does nothing but mockbusters. You know, whatever the the big movie of the summer is, they'll they'll crank one out in a couple of weeks. They had snakes on a train and things like that. Yeah, and apparently they're really dull. They're not like. They're not you know, back good. in the day where the Italians or what Roger Corman would crank out a, oh, yeah. a rip off and it'd be more fun than the actual. Movie. I was going to say Roger Corman's Carnosaur versus Jurassic Park is a pretty good matchup. Yeah, <laughs> but, but these are apparently pretty. Dumb. Yeah, I watched the Robot Jocks one, and I've not seen the actual movie, but it was so dull. I don't think I finished it. <laughs> that's that's the worst thing a movie yeah. can do is bore you. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really is. Yeah, you have to you have to excite us, you know, make us care one way or the other about characters and excite us. Or at us least a little just bit. be so off the wall. Like, yeah, you can be weird. Be something to laugh about. Yeah, yeah, I can be offended in just about every way, but bored, no. Now, uh, first thing I want to say about Silent Night Deadly. Yeah, Night. lay it on me. I don't want to say that the director hates women. <laughs> um, <laughs> but think... after watching this, Reddit made a massive donation. To race for the cure. Hmm. <laughs> Here's something I'll say about the director and how he views women through a lens. He likes them not to have any tan lines. I yes. don't understand how this mom has like a, her breasts are completely tan. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Okay. So let's jump into that scene. Um, well, the, the stuff <laughs> leading up to that scene, because it's, it's in the first, what, five or six minutes of the yeah. movie. Um it's Christmas Eve. This family is driving to Utah, is it? They're driving yep. through Utah. They're so in you, Utah. You've got... Right outside the same town the car took place. The car. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you talking really. about wheels? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I guess they did end up retiring I can't remember the what the name of the town in the car was, but... Um, you know, it was Santa something or San something. Yeah. I don't have my notes here from that. I think I... Anyway, recycled those, but yeah. Um, oh, and by the way, uh, what's his name from the car? Um, the main actor, Josh uh, Brolin. No. Yeah, Josh Brolin. He's in a um, a show called Life in Pieces or something like that. He's in, yeah. he's in a sitcom. Hmm. And he's hilarious. He, he's just like this stoner grandpa guy. <laughs> he's great. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Christmas Eve, nineteen seventy one. Um, the Chapmans are driving. There, there's a five year old Billy and his little infant brother Ricky. Uh, mm-hmm. In the car with the parents, um, the goofs on IMDb say there's no way it's like 20 degrees because no one's wearing a coat. I don't care. Um, <laughs> this is nitpicking. Stop it. Uh, so 
they're going to go see grandpa who's in, uh, is it a mental institution or is it an old folks home? I think it was Little Balt. It, well, yeah, it was for old nuts. It was before Ronald Reagan turned everything out on the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, Grandpa seems catatonic. He just yeah. sits there staring, and he kind of looks like like a Burt Reynolds um, meets Moses from the Ten Commandments. Hmm. He's just sort of staring stoically into the distance. As soon as the the parents uh, leave Billy alone for a moment. Uh, grandpa suddenly reveals that he can talk mm-hmm. and he's, you know, he's kind of with it as he warns him about Santa Claus. the truth about Santa Claus. And, you know, he basically scares the hell out of him about Santa Claus. And then when the parents come back, he snaps back into his catatonia yeah. or fake catatonia. So that's kind of creepy and weird. Mm-hmm. And they have to get going. So they're they're heading home. And you can tell Billy's pretty rattled by Grandpa's um, explanation of Santa Claus and how he's going to get punished and all this stuff. Yep. Um, now. We cut to a scene of Santa robbing a gas station. Yeah. Now, here's where I, I like to get into the goofs on IMDb and how they nitpick. It says in the goofs that they point out that the robber Santa in 1971 is in a convenience store, which is actually a gas station, but same diff. And there's a advertisement uh, for six packs of Pepsi that are priced at around three times what it would have cost and dollar bags of ice, which would be way more than ice would have cost in 1971. My uh, question is, have you been in a convenience store? True. <laughs> but Actually, now that I think about it, I don't think it was a gas station. I think it was just a little corner shop. Whatever the case. They had fishing supplies, health and beauty supplies, yes. and beer or something on the sign everything you need mascara worms and beer yeah (laughs) also known as friday night um so uh santa's robbing the place and he gets all pissed off because there's only 31 bucks and uh then where this intersects with the story of of the uh, chapman family is that uh his car is broken down and uh they stop to help him and he kills both of the parents mm-hmm. and Billy witnesses it. The little brother's probably pretty unaware. He's an infant. And uh, Santa does rip the mom's blouse open and you see her bare, very tan chest. I watched the unrated version of this, which had. I think I did too. Scenes. Uh, I'm assuming the scenes, they were kind of obvious. The the gorier scenes or the longer nudity shots were slightly darker. And, uh, mm. you know, in. Uh, well, the, the photography was done. Yeah, the photography. It was obviously a different source. Uh-huh. And the rest of the movie looked like it had been cleaned up, and the other mm-hmm. had been cleaned up somewhat, but not quite. Okay. Didn't hmm. quite match. So the scene would get a little darker and you'd have more nudity and a lot more blood. Ah. Like uh, when the lady in the store gets shot in the back with an arrow. She's laying on the ground. There's a lot of blood. And then they show her again and it's a little bit brighter and she's not bleeding at all. Hmm. It's a real quick cut. And then, well, we'll get to other parts. Okay. Well, uh, Ricky... um, is crying somewhere in the background and um, Santa robber, Santa murderer, Santa is trying to find Billy who's hiding and he's 
you know, yelling, where are you little bastard? So you get the idea right away. Okay. The boys survived. The parents didn't. And they're going to end up in an orphanage is, yep. what, is what we see next. Mm-hmm. So they cut to, um, it's, it's close to Christmas, 1974. So it's a few years later. So the little brother is little. Same time when Black Christmas is happening elsewhere. <laughs> this is a nice tie-in. Okay. So it's the right year. Um, now, the boy survived, but you can see that Billy is not, he's not right. Okay. He seems very damaged by this whole thing. Um, Imagine. I, I don't know if that's enough to make you into a killer. Well, you know, seeing mom make out with Santa Claus is enough to make someone a killer. Back in the 40s, they just have a song about it, and that would be it, you know? Yeah. Right. Go on a rampage. Yeah. So um, they, they're unfortunately in a Catholic school, a Catholic orphanage. Oh, that would do it. Yeah. I think that's got more to do with it. Um, my dad once told me um, that the reason he didn't send us to Catholic school is because he had gone. <laughs> so... <laughs> And uh, so I was able to skip a lot of that nonsense. And uh, luckily we, we lapsed and I didn't have to deal with much of church past a certain age. And that was good. <laughs> it was good for me. So, How about the songs in this thing? Yeah. Um, are you talking about where the children are, are singing? No, I'm talking about on the radio at the beginning. They're playing a song called Christmas Fever. Oh. Which is god awful <laughs> later they play another song during a montage because it's the 1980s and it's called uh the warm side of the door <laughs> which made me think of backdraft but uh <laughs> uh the fire was a character in the movie <laughs> yeah so when did this movie come out 1984 yes okay so that's like the tail end of Slashers. Directed by like Charles the, the, the E. Boom. Sellier Jr. Or Sellier. Yeah, sort of. Um, evidently, they wrote all these songs. These are all original songs, except for, I believe, The Christmas Carol. Right. Um, uh, even the drunken song they sing, the, the shop owner and whatever the assistant manager will call her. I don't know who she was, but... Uh, they even sing a fake Christmas carol. They made these songs up. They wanted to sell them on a Christmas album. <laughs> I'm but sure that was a no-go. Yeah, that would have been a bestseller. I'm sure of it. Um, the the budget on this thing was approximately one million. What? One million sixty-five thousand dollars. Somebody pocketed some of that. I was kind of thinking the same thing. Like, where did this money go? Because there's not a whole lot. I mean, they have the store, the toy store set, which was... Could have just been a toy store. Yeah, it was just an empty spot. They threw some shelves up. and Yeah, that's true. It could have just been like a warehouse space where they just... Because I did notice in one scene, um, there's a bunch of Halloween costumes hanging up sort, uh-huh. of, sort of in the background. I made a note that it's about 41 minutes in because one of our listeners is um, Sean of Gru Gallery, G-R-U-E. And uh, he posted some pictures of himself on Facebook uh, back in October where he had his Halloween costumes. And the exact same Batman costume that he had is in the background in this yep. scene. And I saw that and I went, 
Oh, that's that's Sean from Gru Gallery's. Costume. I remember the uh, seeing the GI Joe costumes. One right. of my friends had that. Yeah, it's the right era, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was kind of funny, but uh, not to get too far ahead. Um, so the orphanage is not is not a good scene for these kids because um, you know Billy's all, already traumatized, and he saw some nudity mixed with murder, and then he peeks through a door, a keyhole in a door. And see some sex going on. On the warm side of the door. The warm side of the door. <laughs> That's the side where all the friction is warming the door up. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I assume those were other orphans. I was wondering that too. Now, who like, are these who people? Are they, I don't see, and you never see them again. Yeah, these horny teenagers. Or do they just break in? To, yeah, to fornicate in, in the, the spare room. I don't know. Any theories, Julian? <laughs> I think I've only seen this movie once. A long time ago. Yeah. I I just found it so mean-spirited. It was. A bit of a downer. I I didn't go back to it. Yeah, I I had seen this a long, long time ago. And all I remember really is the lady getting shot with the arrow. Mm -hmm. And, I don't know, a couple other bits and pieces. But, yeah, I haven't seen this since, I don't know, probably 1990. You know, a lot of this stuff, I sort of disregarded it in its day um yes totally for better things like why oh, would yeah yeah why would i go for this like oh you're you know you're at your friend's house who has cable and there's like all these different movies you could watch you can watch this one over something else not really you know it, i always thought santa claus was dead on the cover stuck in the chimney it looks not that way. climbing down with an axe which is what it's supposed to be right it looks like his arm is crooked and yeah. he's just holding on to an axe so 84 you'd have had gremlins right gremlins came out see. the same year yeah. yes that, that's an awesome christmas horror movie yeah and if you just feel like watching some horror that's not christmas horror you you've got uh well 84 you've got nightmare on elm street had just debuted um You've got uh, the Halloween, the Wasn't first two Halloween movies. Was one of the Scrooge movies, movies Scrooged? around that time? Was it, yeah, the Bill Murray one? I think so. No, that was later. Was, was it, it later? But Ghostbusters came out in 1984. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so there were a lot of good movies floating around. Why watch this thing? Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, exactly. It's, I, but yeah. why did you pick it then, if it's your favorite well, Christmas we, horror? Well, the reason we picked these three movies weren't like we each picked a favorite. We just picked some that were more popular to horror fans. During this time of year, um, if I were left to pick a Christmas horror movie, <laughs> I felt like I got the leftover. <laughs> oh, you would have picked one of the ones we picked? No, no, no. Not, not necessarily. Would yes, have been that Krampus. one. That one. We could have gone and seen it again. We could. Here it's <laughs> Is it still playing? The same the second time you see it. Disappointing. <laughs> um, I probably <laughs> I probably would have given... Uh, uh, Rare Exports a try. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, I've seen that, that one's one. not very good. No, yeah. okay. I don't know. It looks great. It looks great. Very nice photography. You know. So let's get to the killing. Okay, we know that you know this is an oppressive envi- environment for this kid and his little brother, and uh, th- there's not a whole lot on the little brother at this point anyway. Although he has a great line that he's some or well, the other kid says. Uh, because Ricky says something like, what's wrong, Billy? And the other kid goes, your brother's nuts or a <laughs> nutcase or something. People used to use language like that openly back then. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Billy grows up. Uh-huh. So he's uh, so now it's 
spring of 1984 and Billy's all 18 years old and I think ready to go out in the world. Yep. Isn't he like super buff or something? Yeah, yeah, he looks like he's been working out and tanning and yeah. getting waxed and whatever. I haven't seen this in a while, but I listened to the podcast from Werewolf Ambulance. Oh. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> yeah, they do sign that. I, 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 I listened to their out. episode a long time ago. I should yeah. give it a re-listen. Yeah, it's a good one. And, and they're doing Krampus, so I think. They, I, they are. I don't think it's out yet. That'll be out Monday. Okay. Tomorrow. Cool. Yeah. I really dig listening to them. So Billy gets a job at Iris Toy Store, which looked <laughs> yeah. like it was in the bad part of town. <laughs> as, as they point out, why would he go to a toy store if he, he hates Christmas? Yeah. Did, did he, he seemed kind of surprised every time Christmas came around. Like, again? So is this... They is didn't this, stop this? Is this a job he's been placed in, or did he choose It, it felt this? like that. It felt like it he got placed. It felt kind of like he, yeah, pl- like, he got let, placed Let's put this here. kid who, who's got a... Like a phobia you know. about Christmas in a toy store at yeah. Christmas. Yeah, at some point they unroll a Christmas <laughs> banner and he looks freaked out because yeah. Santa. I'm like, dude, it's November. You should have known it was coming up again. <laughs> it's your job to quit being Don't surprised forget. by this, sir. Yeah. So that being said, I would also think Mother Superior would tell this person hiring them, by the way, we're giving you someone who's... Freaked out about Santa Claus. Freaked out about Christmas. I realize you're a toy store. He's going to be around a lot of it, so keep an eye on him. Yeah. And whatever you do, don't dress him like Santa Claus. He should really be hibernated for a couple of months. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They should. Summertime around Thanksgiving, they should slip him something. Yeah, they should have him just chop wood and carry water. I don't know. Something. Um, let's let's sidetrack real quick. Just a question for you, Jolien, since you're from England. Um <laughs> Do people say Santa Claus as much as they say Father Christmas, or do they commonly say Father Christmas? Uh, I think Santa Claus is regarded as more American. Okay. So Father Christmas is... I think Santa Claus comes from Dutch. Yeah. Sinterklaas. Yeah, Sinterklaas. Yeah. Yeah. So I I suspect nowadays they say just as much, if not more, but when I was a kid, it was Father Christmas. So if someone went over to the bar and came back with an extra pint for you... Oh, you just like Father Christmas bringing me a beer. <laughs> That's exactly how I'd say it. Yeah. Exactly. In a horrible fake accent. <laughs> Except I'd say Father. Father, yeah. You're like Father Christmas. Father Christmas. Yeah, Christmas. Uh, yeah, we, we got to get into, we got to get a pronunciation key and just like put it on a board on the wall so we can just be like, hey. Yes, we'll have a special talk like Bob Hoskins Day. Yeah, another day, another day. Another day, another door. <laughs> Bob Hoskins kind of, um, he was from Brooklyn, right? Sure. <laughs> like every American accent he did sounded like Brooklyn. Um, so where are we? Toy Star. Okay. Um, so they're wrapping up the Christmas season and Billy hasn't killed anyone yet. This is looking pretty good. So yeah. uh, uh, what, what does the boss say there? Um, oh, yeah, the end. Yes. You mean, yes, they closed the store and he says... Because he hates Christmas, and he wants the sales to be done. The guy who owns a toy store and gets rich off of Christmas hates Christmas. Go on. A theme like in uh, our last movie. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, he closes the door and he says something like, That's it. It's done. Time to get (laughs) shit-faced. Time to get shit-faced. So he busts out a bunch of bottles of booze. Uh Uh-huh, and they proceed to drink. I think Billy gets drunk for the first time. They put on some music. There's some groping and dancing and... Yeah, there's some light sexual harassment in the workplace. <laughs> yeah, apparently they don't even have an HR department. They had like four employees. Yeah. Um, and they all knew their place. They're 
<laughs> Their yeah. station in life was to get groped by the boss. So uh, Billy gets put in a Santa Claus outfit for whatever reason to speed the plot along. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's not a plot device at all. <laughs> and he's a little inebriated and the toy store owner says something about people being naughty, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Billy wanders to the back and sees a couple of co-workers making out. So there's some back pseudo rape. That guy is, <laughs> that guy is definitely rapey as hell, isn't he? Yeah. He, he, he didn't want to stop there. And so Billy stops him, stops him with a bunch of Christmas lights and hangs him with one hand. Yeah. He's pretty yeah. strong. And somehow the lights cut the guy's neck because it was hmm. pretty bloody in the, I'm guessing the. Uh, original cut or the unrelated cut scenes. Which I heard the director didn't want to film, so he had someone else come in and film then. Oh, weird. You know? He thought they were too gory, which I guess they were. They got cut, so. Oh, okay. So the the ratings board didn't like what they saw either. Yeah. Fair enough. So, um... I think there's a big campaign against this film. In yes, this movie was... Oh, yeah. Siskel and Ebert. That's, yeah. That's right. There were protesters. Mm. And I think they they made... Uh, maybe it was IMDb made some... Somebody said something about Christmas Evil came out and there was the Tales from the Crypt with the evil Santa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They didn't get protested. But I don't think Christmas Evil was very well known. And I don't remember... Although I remember the Santa Claus bit from Tales from the Crypt. Right. It wasn't advertised, so right. I think that's why this movie got in trouble. And you're talking the television remake of that. You're not talking the original. Was it 1972, Tales from Yeah, Crypt? that's the one I'm yeah, talking about. Oh, okay. All yeah. The house. Joan Collins. Yeah. Mm. At her Joan Collins-y best. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I think because they advertised this with Santa. You know, this was the height of the satanic panic and maybe the... Santa slasher and the, the video Tanic Tanic? campaign and everything. Mm-hmm. Right. So there were a lot of people who were um, um, quick to outrage at anything mm-hmm. that, that was dark or evil or weird or gory. I'm glad those or you could play over. it backwards and it would seem like it was dark and evil. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I remember a lot of my favorite bands were getting a bad rap for stuff they didn't even do. I mean, there was plenty of stuff they did do, but... Come on now. I have a friend whose uh, little brother uh, heard ACDC for the first time in some church group about the evils of rock and roll. Uh, and it blew his mind and he had to go out and buy ACDC. Right. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. 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 No, you should listen to some nice, wholesome, churchy rock. Yeah. No, thank you. You know why? Because it all sucks. There, I'll, I'll be the one to say it. All that righteous music, if it's not Christmas music... It's just not good. Uh, man, the harpsichord in this was bad. Oh, there were some orchestral strikes, if I remember. Um, when the, and this is maybe going forward in the plot a little bit. We don't have to really stick to going through it like a synopsis. But when that sheriff gets killed with the axe, there is a Casio strike that just about knocks your eardrums out. Yeah. Pretty stunning. And, well... That's all I have to say about that. Um, so the so Billy kills everyone in the store. Yes. Uh, the he, shop he... owner gets an axe to the head, and yeah. the assistant manager gets hit with an arrow. 
I don't know why she she picked up the axe. I don't know why she didn't whack Billy with it. When you get a chance, yeah, kill the killer. Yep, twice. <laughs> twice. Don't stop. These are rules. Remove for life. the head. Yep. <laughs> Sprinkle ashes. Yep. Yeah, you know. The the people who die in horror movies act like they deserve to die. They just sometimes they don't do enough to not die. Wouldn't you be doing like every single thing possible to not die? Yes. Me too. They run, but yeah, they they trip. Yeah, she couldn't get out. So uh, yeah, yeah, women and always like trip. I, That's just one of those things that they do in these slashes. Like the women. They don't trip. They get pushed down. <laughs> get her. <laughs> I don't have to outrun the killer. I just have to outrun you. Yeah. But it's such a cliche, you know. Like it's they, so they get a hundred yards away from the killer and then they fall over, and then that's why all the maniacs just walk. They never run. Yeah. yeah. Some of them kind of speed walk. <laughs> But nobody even jogs. They don't need to. So Billy's um, Billy's going to go out on a rampage now, right? Uh-huh. Um, th- th- does this take us to the sledding scene? Let me look here. Oh, yeah, I remember that. The sledding, the sledding scene, scene was, is awesome. That was pretty good. That was great because these guys are total dicks. They're picking on this kid. They take his sled. Well, they they're picking ride. on two kids, right? Yeah, yeah that, that they kind ride of... down the hill. First one makes it. And the second one, Santa jumps out, swings an axe. Takes you his don't sled. know what happens. Right. But then his friend's waiting, and he sees him coming down, and he realizes he has no head. And then the head's rolling down behind him. Yeah. It was a pretty good part of this movie. Like, That's like one of the two bits I remember. Right. You can safely say that had not been done before in a movie, and it was awesome. Yeah, I don't the think The movie so. gets a pass based on that. <laughs> That and uh, Linnea Quigley. That's the other bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't need her to get gored on uh, some deer horns. She could just be topless. But if you're going to go ahead and murder her, do it creatively like that. Fine. Uh, So let's see. So we have the sledding scene um, after the Linnea Quigley scene. So, so he's, uh, he's out on a rampage um, just looking for naughty people to punish. Anybody. Anybody. Good luck with that. Yeah. So he's out on a rampage. Um, he he rolls up on Linnea Quigley, um, who is Denise, is her character's name. Who's babysitting. She's babysitting, yes. And her boyfriend's over, and they're making out on a pool table. And doesn't she answer the door with nothing on or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they hear this ruckus, and, yeah. and so she pulls on her Daisy Duke shorts and no top and heads to the door. <laughs> to get the which, cat. Which was further proof being a pizza guy back in the 80s was a great idea. But it's just so far from the tone at the start of the movie. It is. It's like really bleak and mean. Yeah. And, and then this gets kind of silly. Yeah. And this is just like the dumbest Friday the 13th yeah. nonsense. They just stuck a trope from a different series, yeah, a different so. franchise into this one, which is fine. Uh, you know, because we needed some levity at this point. It had <laughs> been kind of you know, dark and yeah, so, uh, mean spirited, as you said. Santa Billy kills her. <laughs> By sticking her on a pair of deer antlers that are on the wall. Yeah. Which in the uh, uncut scenes was pretty gory. And nobody says nice rack. Nobody says nice rack. Okay. Because that's another term for antlers is a rack. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, we get the joke. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, I'm not just pulling this out of nowhere. Yeah, no. There would, there would be a play on words here. for And then. For very, the good, un- very good. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, then she throws he throws the boyfriend out a window. Yeah. And I don't know uh, when they show him 
the first time you can't really tell, but then there's a I guess another cut scene where he has a big piece of glass stuck in his face <laughs> and another one in his chest. Nice. The sledding scene happens after this scene, which we all just said we loved. Um, then the next day, Billy is still out and about, not been caught. And um, sister Margaret is at the police station. She's nodded off. And, uh, and one of them tells her the bad news, three more killings overnight. And Christmas has been canceled this year. Yeah. You can't close Christmas. It's our busiest time of year. Wait, no, that's a different movie. <laughs> We're going to need a bigger sleigh. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Basically, Billy is Jaws. Let's Kinda. face it. Um, Santa Jaws. Santa Jaws is coming. Uh, let's see. <laughs> that's a... God, I love cool. a pun. How come no one's thought of Santa Jaws? I did just now. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think you two should write Silent Night, Deadly Night 6. Yeah, I think so. Santa Jaws. Yeah, Land Shark. Yeah, why not? Santa Claus was genetically crossed with a shark. Or he could just have some dentures that he made in the style of Freddy Krueger making that glove. Maybe. He could be Santa Jaws. Santa Jaws. Oh, man, we're making uh, this movie. Then, <laughs> we're we're uh, going to film it on my iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what happens then? Cops uh, roll up on the orphanage. Yeah, there's probably a shadow of a boom mic in here somewhere. And, uh, <laughs> there's a Santa Claus walking up the steps to greet the kids. And yeah. the cop hops out and, uh, yells, you know, stop, stop freeze, freeze whatever. Base will freeze. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Santa doesn't respond, so he gets shot in the back about three times. Yeah. Don't they have a similar gag in, is it Halloween 2, where there's like... Ben Tramer? Mm-hmm. Mm. Ben Tramer is drunk, and he's dressed like a blonde Michael Myers. Mm. Yeah. And he finally just sort of stumbles into traffic and gets hit. Yeah. And that's your story. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, with the car. Yeah, but that's Ben yeah. Tramer. We finally see him, yeah. but he's wearing he a mask. And then he gets smashed and burst into flames. And uh, I think that the most shocking Santa shooting film I, I remember is Rabid, where he... Uh, they go running around a mall and oh yes yeah malls that Santa who's got his grotto in the mm-hmm. shopping mall very dangerous places in the eighties yeah malls. there were killer yeah, late, robots late, late in seventies yeah. zombies yeah, yeah seven, about seventy eight through about eighty nine probably <laughs> just stay the hell out of the malls stay off the moors and stay out of the malls <laughs> everything else is pretty safe yeah not the sledding hills so much now why does a Santa get shot because he's a deaf priest dressed as santa he didn't hear the cop okay what's the main problem with this Are nobody they... else yells <laughs> stop uh don't shoot him he's deaf so the, the yeah. kid's gonna be sitting on his knee reading their wish list and he's just he's, gonna not get not, it right that's my problem with it is why would they have the deaf guy play santa you could have pretty much anybody else play him <laughs> and the kids might believe it but the deaf guy is just gonna be like huh? what you know, well, if you can't sign, Santa's not bringing you shit. Yeah. That's the moral of that story. So he gets shot to death. Awesome. Good going, cops. And uh, then the cop sneaks around the house looking for Billy. And Billy's like, I got I've skipped ahead a little yes. bit, but uh, but, but gets got... an axe to the chest. Billy's, Billy's got to axe him something. Yeah. <laughs> so he does. Loud Casio 
dead cop. Yeah, this is about the time I wanted the soundtrack to stop. Just, mm-hmm. <laughs> just stop was, with these noises. It was an all-out assault, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. a bit over the top. So the police, the policeman apologizes to Mother Superior, tells her the killer may be still coming, and so on and so forth. Let's see. Then he um, gets killed. It's killed. Let's see. Billy then goes to open the door. One of the children, overjoyed at seeing Santa, who is apparently alive and well and not been shot to death, lets him in. He walks towards Mother Superior, helpless in the wheelchair, and raises the axe. And just then, the other policeman who was driving with Sister Margaret arrives and shoots Billy twice in the back. He falls forward, dying. His last words to the children are, You're safe now. Santa Claus is gone. And of course, the axe is on the floor. And then Ricky, who was the infant in the beginning of this thing, sees mm-hmm. it. And you could just see he's mentally he disturbed. Something naughty. Naughty. Yeah. And that's that's the wrap. That's it for that one. That's it for that one. So, have you seen the sequels? Open ended. Does it pick up with Ricky? I imagine. I don't, I don't know. I would assume they would disregard everything about this movie and just start over with some other. <laughs> You know, because it's just in, in more inventive, festive for, ways to kill somebody. Forget this one. Well, that seems like maybe Are you there's trying a, to retcon this out of existence. Right. Well, I think that there's an ego thing that happens with writers to where they like their ideas better than anyone else's. And they would happily abandon any plots or any storylines and any characters just to go forward with their ideas. So when you get a sequel that isn't even a sequel at all. One of two things. Either it's that scenario where it's their ego involved or it's something that was already written and they say, well, if we just changed a few names in it, could we call it a sequel? That seems like that happens a lot, too. Yeah, that does happen. Isn't that the Joe Bob rule of sequels? It should be the same movie as the previous one. (laughs) That's a great rule. (laughs) I do have to post the Joe Bob interview soon. Um, Although he, you know, I, I ask him to talk a bit about Night of the Living Dead. When is not a good time to talk about Night of the Living Dead? Probably at a funeral. Right. <laughs> now, Are you sure he's dead? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people look at you funny when you talk about... They're coming <laughs> to get you, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about ghouls and things coming back to life from being dead. Oh, Grandpa, don't worry. He's coming to get you. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be back soon. No worries. Uh, oh, I was thinking in this movie, we've had Santa Claus in two of these. Evil Santa. There's other evil Santas. Mm-hmm. Why is no one dressed as Christ and gone at a killing spree? Well, I funny you should it ask. Has been done. Has it been um, done? Yeah, uh, witching and bitching. Which, if this movie were not made in Spain, but rather made in the U.S., it would be called witching and bitching. I would right. think, I would assume. Uh, but witching and bitching is something you can watch on Netflix, and there is the most amazing um, car chase shootout thing happening after after a. A jewel heist. Well, it's not really a jewel heist. It's a jewelry store robbery. But this guy is um, playing a statue of Christ, the way people will be the living statue. Mm-hmm. You know, basically um, panhandling or whatever you want to call it, busking. Uh, when they go on the car chase after this guy and his partners, um, he's leaned out of the window of a speeding car as a statue of Christ. So he's painted all like silver. And he's got a crown of thorns and a shotgun. It's amazing. <laughs> Sounds like it. It doesn't get better after that. There's one of the witches that's really pretty hot, but 
other than that, there's not a lot of great stuff. That yeah, it's hard later to in the top movie. that, I imagine. Yeah, basically. You put that in at the end. <laughs> yes. I want to do an edit where all the awesome stuff from different movies is all just cut together. <laughs> just be like movies where they only had a good 10 minutes. Just cut all those 10 minutes together. I think that'd be great. Um, real quick, though, would you guys recommend Silent Night, Deadly Night? Mm, maybe it's a white elephant. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Julian? Uh, no. It'd be way down on my list of Christmas Yeah, I'd be, you know, way, way, way down there. I would I would say if somebody was a diehard horror fan who kind of liked 80s stuff, I would say, yeah, go ahead and watch it. It is definitely very 80s. Yeah, it, it's of its time for sure. I would say, yeah, give it a shot. You might enjoy it. Um, not going to be something I go back to time and time again. Um, I think I'll revisit Christmas Evil because it's so weird and different. <laughs> Yeah, and kind of obscure, and of course Black Christmas because it is so good. Uh, so we got that out of the way. So Christmas extravaganza, you're welcome, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so we covered some good stuff for you. Um, so we're at about the hour and a half mark. This would be a good time to talk about how close we are to New Year's. Um, New Year's Eve is right around the corner. Uh huh. Um, right after Christmas. Right uh-huh. after. Right after my birthday. Um, I always have this sort of tradition this thing I made up where I watch a bunch of the Twilight Zone marathon. And it came to light in a previous episode. Jolien has not watched much at all of the Twilight Zone series. Yeah, so, about a dozen or so. Yeah. Are you on board with uh, doing maybe three or four episodes uh, talking about that for our New Year's? I don't have any. Well, I was thinking, well, they're easy to access. Okay. Do you want, do you want to do are that? They? Or are there... They're pretty easy to access, yeah. I know they are on Netflix for sure. Yeah. Um, you could probably find them on YouTube pretty easily. Uh, are you guys down with doing that? Sure, if you pick out the episodes. Okay, I can pick them out. Um, I'm pick or, out three of them or whatever. Jolene, tell us your tradition of starting a new year. I uh, love this. <laughs> well, we want to hear something good and see something good first thing, because if you just leave the TV on, then you're just going to get some pop star of the day singing something awful in times square and that's no way to start off your year right so we we always stick on something that we know is good so emily always sticks on bowie and always stick on you know something like seven samurai or something right something really great do you play them together (laughs) does bowie lay over the seven matches up so weirdly station to station and the seven samurai (laughs) you've got to play station to station about eight times to last yeah i think I, I want to see that now. That, that's an amazing, um, albeit you could say obvious, and, and it's a good idea. Start your new year by putting something good into your eye holes and your ear holes and maybe your mouth holes too. <laughs> Eat something good. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we do that too because like, she, she's, she's Japanese-American and like the, the New Year's tradition, like New Year's is bigger in Japan than it is uh, than, than Christmas was. Right. And uh, so they, they eat uh, mochi and uh, mm-hmm. uh certain types of noodles at midnight. I got to partake in that tradition um, a couple of years in a row in Hawaii. We had uh, Japanese friends there who, they were very much Japanese American, but they had those traditions. And it was kind of kind of cool to, mm-hmm. to experience that having not. But I think it's great. It's a great idea. And I took that page from your book last year, at the beginning of this year, I should say, and uh, watched Godfather 2. Oh. That was that's what I did on New Year's Day. So it's now my tradition. I've stolen this from you. Um, <laughs> well, in uh, BBC Two, uh, every year around Christmas time, they'd show the Godfather saga where uh, Coppola 
edited together the first two movies into one long yeah movie in continuity and that's great yeah it's really good they released that at some point but now it's out of print yeah yeah you, you have to watch them separately yeah far and away de niro's best work i i don't feel like there's any fear of contradiction in my saying that um uh, some... meet the fockers okay <laughs> analyze this the obvious ones aside <laughs> uh... meet the fockers <laughs> Fuck you. You don't like his other Scorsese? Um, Raging well, Bull and Mean Streets. Oh, I enjoy that stuff too, but the fact that he's... Taxi driver? Mm. Okay, fair enough. He's got a lot of good work. I like I like his Coppola stuff the best, though. Okay. Yeah, the Godfather, the Godfather 2 scenes are just amazing, where he's speaking Italian, all of his dialogue. Now, I don't speak or understand Italian well enough to say that he's doing it right and doing it well, but I assume he is. <laughs> Plays nicely, but any other ideas what you'd want to do other than some Twilight Zone episodes? No. New Year's Evil. New Year's, New Year's Evil. <laughs> well, how about we do that? Let's let's pick um, let's pick a few episodes of Twilight Zone that'll be that won't take up half an episode. And then New Year's Evil. I think that's great. We could do that. All right. Now, should we go with the William Shatner stuff? Is that an obvious? Like, pick I've one of those? I've seen those, yeah. The, okay. The one about the gremlin, the horror at 20,000 feet. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Terror at 20,000 feet, I think. Is it? Okay. Okay. So we got that one, maybe Nick of Time, where he's got the little fortune-telling devil head thing. And you like that one about the monsters will appear on Maple Street? Monsters yeah. are due on Maple Street. Okay. I think Serling wrote that or Bradbury wrote that. I'll I'll have to look that up. Um, I think those would be great ones. There's another one where there's a guy at a diner and all these people from this bus, because a bridge is out during a blizzard, all these people from this bus come in and there was a flying saucer crashed in, oh, yeah. into I've the lake nearby. I've seen the one to serve man. That one too. That's good. And I've seen the Burgess Meredith one where he's he's a guy who loves to read. Yeah. So let's uh, let's kick it around a little bit. We'll pick a few episodes. Um, maybe we'll post on our Facebook page which ones we're gonna choose. So if anyone wants to, be current with them. And then New Year's Evil. What year was that one? That was another eighties. I want to say eighty three. Yeah. Um, I have not seen that one. Yeah. I don't know that I have. I feel like I have not. I feel like I have not seen that or Prom Night. <laughs> have you seen Prom yeah. Night? Yeah, they're, bo- they're both as good as each other. Uh. <laughs> Do they fulfill your expectations? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's always my question for those kind of movies. Let's do this real quick. I'm not, I'm not going to force anyone to watch New Year's Evil. Um, so we don't have to do it. Okay. Watch it. And then uh, we're going to have an opportunity. And maybe we can get some, maybe we can get some suggestions. We're going to get an opportunity sometime in the new year to do a live watch where we can just turn the mics on and watch something and, you know, tell our listeners where to start the movie if they want to follow along with us. So we're going to have to think of something that'll be fun to live watch. All right. So let's look this up. New Year's Evil. Uh, IMDb. 1980. Really? Really? Yeah. Right after Christmas Evil, they're a double feature. <laughs> New Year's Evil. It had Roz Kelly, Kip Niven. Kip Niven? Good old Kip. <laughs> Chris Wallace, Grant Kramer. Grant Kramer? No way. Well, 
<laughs> Wait, right there. There's Louisa Moritz. I don't like her work. How about Jed Mills? He's okay. All right. There's, um, I can't pronounce her name. Never mind. Um, hey, Terry Copley. She plays Teenage Girl. I don't know who that is. <laughs> uh, there's, let's see. Jenny Anderson plays Nurse Robbie. Okay. Who could forget that role? Nurse Robbie and Teenage Girl walk into a bar. All right. So there we have it. Your Christmas ex- Christmas horror extravaganza. Yes. And, uh, well, until next year. Yeah, we'll see you in the new year. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Seven o'clock. It's over. Time to get shit-faced. Ha, 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 ha.